Okay, here we are. They know. Limited. So as you guys know, these last few weeks I've been, I've felt deeply, deeply impressed on my heart that the only objective for life is to follow God's call in our life. What it is God gives us instruction for. So you'll know the last few messages have been on that, and I feel like this ties into that. Um, and something that I realize, I think as I'm going through what God is speaking to me, and I feel like is a part of this, I feel like there's pieces to this that come together, and this is one of them. This is definitely one of them. I think what we'd all like to believe is that when Jesus left us with the words that you will do as I have done and greater things will you do, that I think we want to believe that that means that we will that not only will God have an unlimited power, but we will be unlimited in every way. But the reality is, that's not the way God made it. God gave us His power to fulfill one objective in life, and that is whatever He called you to do specifically. If I can say this with all my heart, I just want to say, I mean, I mean it when I say, please do only what God called you to do. We are in a culture right now that is telling us to do just the opposite. And that means we're going to have to listen carefully. We're going to have to check one another. The way that I've been doing it recently is I ask. Like somebody says that they, they see a need for something, they want something, they, they feel like something should be happening, they feel like there's a ministry or whatever. And I've been asking, what is it specifically that God has laid on your heart? Because um, what, what I've realized is there feels like there's this moral dilemma to do what God wants us to do. And whenever we see a need, we feel like we need to fulfill that need. We need to do something about it. But the reality is, is there's going to be many needs that you can't do anything about because God didn't call you to meet that need. This church will find the struggle of needs beyond our abilities. But what we do need to know the most is what has God given you to do and what has He limited you to do? Not just what does He want you to do, but what has He limited you to do? And right now the outcry is in the world we live in is, is to try and do as much as we can. Technology is feeding this monster inside of us. And what all technology has done for us is try to get us to be able to get the job done faster and more efficient. But it hasn't helped us slow down enough to know that we're doing the job that we're supposed to. And there's a lot of things God called us to do that's not a fast and it's not efficient. But it is exactly what He wants. If you think of the, the steps that Jesus took with His disciples, He didn't just snap them into spirituality. He didn't just perfect them into character in, in a flash. There was a process of walking with them. And there was a Pentecost that came. And there was still, even after an outpouring, only certain things that they could manage individually and they could manage together. But God finds a way. You understand, when we feel like, well, I can't do that, got to remember that maybe either God doesn't want it done or He doesn't want you doing it. And I just want to say that before I get into anything because I feel like it's so important. If you want me to be able to give you what God has, has prayed, then you're going to have to pray me into that corner too. You're going to have to pray, Lord, I don't want my pastor getting lost 
in all different affairs and just getting lost in those things. I want Him to be exactly where you want Him to be. I want Him listening to you. I want Him at your feet. You know, this is something I learned about ministry. I'm just learning. But when you call it into people, this thing right here that just preaching alone for me is about inspiration. And you can't snap inspiration into being. You can't flip the light onto inspiration and get it. So sometimes I sit there for hours and say, Lord, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I come to the end of the week sometimes. And I like, Lord, I feel I feel empty. I, I got thoughts in my mind, but this doesn't feel like this is it. Because I long for something that's inspired. I long for something that comes from God. And because of that reason, it means I have to step back many times and say, This isn't a this isn't a job to get done. You know, I walked off of a, a construction site doing irrigation, and, and this is nothing like it in many ways. It's nothing like it. <laughs> and so I'm learning, like, what, what will people think when they realize I spent hours to pray and I only got five sentences to give in a sermon? I hope they realize that's sometimes what's invested into listening to God. It seems like, Lord, I've spent so much time and gotten so little from this. But there's a difference in something that's strategic. We set up something strategic and we know that when God's setting something up in our hearts, He's going to do something strategic. And this is powerful. See, this is the thing. This isn't a job, so it's isn't me just coming up with something and delivering it to you. And I'm going to pray that you're going to pray me into that corner. You're going to say, if you, if you have a Sunday, and this might be one of them, I pray not, but if you have a Sunday and you're like, I don't really feel like that was very uh, inspired then pray, please. Pray in that corner. And Lord, get him to the place where he doesn't feel like he has to do this and this. Believe me, I've never felt like more of a responsibility on shoulder than I ever have now. And I felt like God has given me some clear warning and clear instruction on some things in my own life. And I was, I've been doing just that in a way. So this comes out of a heartfelt, transformational thing for me. And I pray that it will minister to you as well. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I'm going to read this and then I'm going to pray. This is actually probably way longer than I'm going to be able to give you today, but that's all right. Um, we might continue it next week or see where God goes with it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere, this is New King James Version, which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. Notice the phrase, I'm not sure if it says this in your version, but it says, but within the limits and the sphere which God appointed us. Father, I just want to pray right now today that you will truly minister to us. Lord, if I understand that you have me in a limited sphere, Lord, you do an unlimited number of things through a limited uh, limitation, limitation in each one of us. God, and I just want to pray that, Lord, that I would find fulfillment, and, Lord, that everybody here would be the encouragement of the fulfillment of living in the place of the dominion of God in their life. Jesus, what we really want in this church, Lord, in this community and the people, Lord, who are brothers and sisters, that, that whether they're gathered with us, Lord, or separate from us in the moment, Lord, we want to pray that they are literally living life on the climax of living near to You, Jesus. 
that, Lord, that they could say that I don't do anything of my own will, but I do what my Father has given me to do. That, Lord, our hands are off on things. Lord, there are things we are not going to touch because they're not within the category of Your will for our life. And You said, My sheep hear My voice. And no other voice will they follow. No other voice. But just Your voice and Yours alone. And Jesus, what a triumph. What a real challenge to the reality and Lord, the culture which we live in. That I will not let life and the world and my circumstances and culture dictate what I'm going to do and who I'm going to be. I'm going to be in the center of God's will. Jesus, I pray that from this service, Lord, that You will begin to mold and shape things in our lives. Lord, recalculate. Call us away from stuff. Lord, call us into certain things. And Lord, I pray, anoint the hands that, Lord, are busy about what You have them doing. And Lord, I want to pray that You'll take away every joy that we have and things that You don't want us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Praise the Lord. You know, Jesus is here, right? God is here in His presence. He said, when you are gathered together in His name, you'll be there in their midst. So just remember that, that Jesus is here, and He wants to minister to you specifically. Amen. I want to share this with you. Uh, limitation. I just, just a little thought on limitation. Limitation is the natural and divine barriers that we are created to live with. They are meant to preserve our dependence on God and to regulate our time on earth. Our limitations serve as boundaries that inhibit sin and that require the best use of our life. Our mortality should sober us to, be, to our immediate duties and to compel us to live as near to God as possible. Limitation is a call to redeem the time and to renew our created purpose with fervent zeal. Anybody want that again? Limitation, if you're wanting, if you're wanting to actually write this down, you probably, I might have to give you my notes, <laughs> right? I'll send you something. <laughs> but I will say it one more time. I know that sometimes those just mean a lot to us. Limitation is the natural and divine barriers that we are created to live with. They are meant to preserve our dependence on God and to regulate our time on earth. Our limitations serve as boundaries that inhibit sin and that require the best use of our life. Our mortality should sober us to our immediate duties and to compel us to live as near to God as possible. Limitation is a call to redeem the time and to renew our created purpose with fervent zeal. Just want to share with you, that's not a quote. That's something that God gave to me to share with you. Um, I love it when God puts something in me. I'm like, I'm not writing this from somebody else. God gave this to me. And He's given it to you. Amen? I want to share with you some of my own personal struggles. I feel like this is where life gets real. And sometimes that's the best thing we can share with folks is where has been my personal struggles? One of the things I can say when it comes to limitation. And the feeling of limitation, there's been numerous things in my life, and I'm going to share one of them with you, but it brings out my insecurities. Oh, man, does it bring out my insecurities. Uh, The sense of I need to do more and better than I am. I need to do more, and I need to be better than I am. 
Those insecurities sit probably well within this room. Nobody's lived outside of that. And if you have, I'd like you to raise your hand. No hands. I had a few people in mind that might, but I just... One of this was when I worked in Walla Walla. This was when I was still in high school and going on up to when I went to Bible school. I would say I worked the most demanding job physically, mentally, emotionally, and more so because I was young, I had no experience. And oh man, every one of those fed into the difficulties of trying. And and my first days on this job were excruciating. They were difficult because not only was I working in a salvage yard, and in Walla Walla is where I lived, and I worked uh, for Emory Stubblefield. He's not alive today. But he was in his 80s when I was working for him. And you don't want to work for a man in his 80s that spent his lifetime working that job. He's never done much of anything else besides. And he knows how he knows what he wants you to be able to do, and, he, and you can't do it. And believe me, there was no mercy. There wasn't that sense of mercy. I learned something. I learned that God sometimes forges character in places that you wouldn't think it happens. And I learned that it drove me to a place of prayer because if I didn't pray, I had no way to deal with it. I didn't know what to do with it on many different levels. Working with him, I saw my sense of, I had my own sense of ignorance and it just confronted me day after day after day. And and to me, it's just like not even people who worked at McDonald's would come and work on this job site. You had to be desperate to come work here. And when I worked for him, I was living... They're in at his house, and I won't go in through the circumstances at the time, but basically I was room and board. I was working for $3 an hour. Yeah. It wasn't even minimum wage at the time. <laughs> but the $3 an hour was actually pretty good compared to the rest of it. And I'm being real because for me it was difficult. There was days I dreaded. I couldn't imagine I'd walk behind him as we were walking to the job. And he was just about a block down the street from it. In hot days, sometimes close to 100 degrees and sometimes 100 degree weather. And, you know, you don't light a torch on a 100 degree day. And yet we were doing it all the time. And I found what it was like to be miserable, hot. Everything about me was just like, I am physically exhausted every day and I hate this job. But why am I going here? Why do I feel like I need to be here? Shouldn't I just quit? And I'll tell you, that thought went through my mind a thousand times. We had one job where we were doing, um, and we had a whole landfill of car batteries. And I think I'd shared this before. And we had to hand lift every single one of them and put them on a pallet three tiers high and then shrink wrap the whole thing and then load them up and then say goodbye. And boy, that was a glorious day when we saw them. Goodbye. But I remember one of those days, um, see, we weren't focusing on whether uh, OSHA had any concern or care about it. He was old enough and just honor enough that he drove them right off the property when they came in. I don't know how in the world he did it, but he did. And uh, he had this big, huge tank um, that stood that stood at least about probably to the height of that exit door. It was just about that big in diameter. And... Uh, it was about, I would say, about from where I'm standing, almost to the back of this room. It was a huge tank full of batteries. Somebody had put those things in there. But nobody had thought about what it'd be like in order to get them out. And so I went inside that thing, and what it was is dry and collected dust, and it was hot. 
And by the end of the day, you couldn't wear a you couldn't wear a 16, 15, 17 year old body out more than you did mine. I mean, it was it was tough. And uh, we went in there, and what I didn't realize is the sweat connecting collecting on my head, and the heat from inside trapped inside of that thing, and then the dry battery acid in the air would find its way down my pores and into my eyes. And I had one eye so swollen from that, so swollen that I couldn't see through it. You see, sometimes in those things, it's like, why didn't, why didn't we report this? Why didn't we? There's a lot of things I just, I didn't have the intelligence. Good thing I was young at the time. But I learned something from some of these things. And, it is, and I won't go into, that's just one of the many stories that have happened. I spent a lot of years working under a man that I felt like devalued me, didn't see the value of who I was, and I didn't feel like I had much value there. I remember one day we were finishing up a job. It's one of the first jobs we ever did, one of the dirtiest, and he made this statement. He, and I said, well, what, do you, what do we do now? We asked him, what do we do now? And he made the statement, we're not out here to change diapers, go home. It was rough, okay? I'm just giving the idea. So what I want to share with you was this out of this story, it brought out my insecurities because there were many times when I struggled to listen. And one of the biggest lessons I learned was as a young man, he would tell me what to do. And while he was talking to me, my brain was thinking about what I thought he was going to say. I didn't really listen to him. And I would walk off to go do what I thought he was going to tell me to do. And I knew the moment I walked off, I didn't want to come back because I didn't know what he told me. And I didn't want to face him when I had to tell him that I didn't know and I didn't have any clue of what he was talking about. Because I knew that I would get a good yelling at. And uh, I started learning how to listen. And I realized as much as it made me want to be angry at him, man, I wanted to be angry at him. It made me step back and, went, and I felt like this is the value of having time alone with God. Because there is no way I would have gotten this any other way. And I felt like the Lord was showing me, you have a problem at listening. And so I realized I had to look at him and oftentimes I had to stop and I said, uh, if I didn't hear him well, I'd say, uh, ask him to repeat it. And he'd get kind of infuriated, but it wasn't half as bad as it was to come back to him when he was mad at me from the past coming back and missing it. So I did. And uh, I started asking him, can you repeat that one more time? And then what I would do is I would repeat back to him what he said to me, make sure I got the whole thing before I walked off. And that was just my gauge of stopping me from just walking off and then saying, uh-oh, what do I do with this? Well, he'd be up on the crane, and uh, here's one other story for you. I know you love these stories, right? He was up on the crane, and you had to see this thing. It looked like there was 10,000 leagues under the sea. I mean, there was no windows in it. The paint was all gone. It looked like something we should have been cutting up, and we were running this thing. And this was an old 1958 flathead engine, all that stuff. I mean, they don't even run. They don't even ex exist now. And uh, I remember him. He had this magnet on that thing, and the magnet was big enough that if it came and swooped by you, it would knock you out. I mean, you'd probably be dead when it was done, or you'd wished you'd been. And um, he was on that thing, and you can only imagine an 80-year-old man that's starting to lose some of his functions is still running that thing. Like, he's very skilled with it, but it was very scary. And so he would fly that thing right past us, one way or the other, and while we were separating metal, and then he would have that magnet picking it up and moving it where he wanted to put it. So you'd have it sometimes just, I wouldn't say inches, but it would be a few feet away, wondering one day he's going to just miss it. 
And he never did, thankfully, but we wanted to learn how to run the thing to get him off of it and at least keep ourselves safe. And so I had to learn how to teach myself how to run equipment because I didn't have somebody who believed in training and teaching. I mean, those were my first days on the job, so to speak. I remember my teacher telling me, because I was in a marketing class, and he, he actually had to go visit the job sites for every one of his students because part of gaining credits in that class was to actually have a job. And so we had an after job, a school after job or on the weekend. So he would visit and he came and I remember him all dressed up in his, you know, clothes thinking you're either you need to change clothes or you need to be in a different environment. I don't know if you knew what this is going to look like. And so anyway, he came and I remember him making this statement to me. He says to the whole class, he said, I know that James, I know that he will he will not suffer when he gets old because he knows how to work. <laughs> <laughs> if you can work a job like that, there's no job you can't work. And that's true. That is true. It was that way for me. Well, I'll tell you, when I finally got into Bible school, it changed the, my whole perspective of life. It was a beautiful thing to be on the other side of that fence and to realize what God had done inside of me. And I, I didn't know the character. I didn't know the changes that had taken inside of me until I'd realized that under my limitations, all the difficulties and struggles that I had, and what I wanted, all those days I wanted to give up. And I remember the transformation in years to pass. And my whole way of looking at the job, and the way that I felt about it had changed. My ability to adapt to the job site and the people I worked with had completely uh, changed from what it was. But I had to have time. I had to have it, it, situations that came and I took blame for things that I didn't do. And I had to figure out how to carry that to God and just let the Lord have it. But I remember that being really one of the most powerful times of forging a Christian character inside a young man's life. Because it's one thing to go to church. It's another thing to live life and have God forge character and life inside of you and make you a giant in spirit. And so my life had changed with him. And I remember the day, one of the sweetest days on earth was when he said, uh, he said, I'm going to go now so that you can get some work done. Because it wasn't like that prior to. It was he had to watch everything I did and make sure it was exactly the way he wanted it to be done. He could see that I had developed in skill and ability so much so that he was actually hindering progress. But that was a beautiful day for me, and that meant a lot to me. Let me share a few things that I noticed that, for me, what I noticed was that the first day felt like I was in the way. I needed training that seemed like it was always in the way of production. My lack of knowledge made me feel like more like a liability than an asset. The mistakes and reactions to them drove my insecurities at times deeper. Eventually, it would lead to either asking for less money or inwardly begging to be fired and laid off. That's the way it felt. All those limitations, like just every angle aimed inside of, at me and struggling to wonder, what do I do with this? So I want to read to you a scripture in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, if you'll turn there. Or if you'll flip your screen there, one or the other, I guess. That's how it works these days. <laughs> James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of your faith. 
My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into de- in various trials, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know, if we really start looking at this, and we see just in this scripture alone, I believe that we're going to start seeing how God intended limitations to actually enact on our life. Because my limitation produces, in a sense, a sense where I, I'm going to be tested in that limitation, and I'm going to have to trust God in it. But he says, lacking nothing. That doesn't mean lack, having the ability to do anything. It means not lacking in the areas that are essential to your life. We don't lack in any particular needed area of our life that belongs to the way, the purpose God created and for His very intent. So here's some things that I learned through this life and this job and many others. I'd be like, I could have written so many, but I didn't need to do that. I learned how hard it is to be humble and at the same time how rewarding it is. I learned to take blame that was not my own and find satisfaction in giving it to Jesus. There was definitely times. And there was times I don't know that I deserved it or not. It was kind of a hard one to figure out. Uh, Lack of knowledge and inability in things definitely puts you in a position to find find a, a place in this area of life. I learned that perseverance will in time lead to knowledge and experience. And it's true. Every job I've had, every situation, I had to start something new. And many of you, too, can go through some stories of your own and say, yes, I've learned that as well. I learned that God could make meaningful relationships out of difficult ones through faithfulness. At one point, he had burned his, he had burned his leg. I was the only one there when it happened, only, at least within range to hear him. And he was always crying out and yelling for something. So I, was, I didn't know at first that it was his leg that was burning. But it didn't take me long to realize. And he'd burnt, he'd burnt 80% of his leg and 20% of it was a third degree burn. And at it, 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 his age, and I'm, I know he was more than 80 at the time, he was closer to 90. And uh, at that age, that's not what you want to have happen. And so I ended up, he was spent all of his time in his home recovering. I was, I was running the business. I would have times I would come home, I would come back from lunch, and I only had like a 30, no, I had an hour lunch, I think it was at the time. I'd come back from lunch, and they had trucks stacked out to the, the next, the end of the block, practically. And I was, I was taking care of them, running back and forth, handling money. I was running his business because he had trusted me that much. Things had changed drastically from the way it was to what it ended up being. I had realized how much, how much he leaned on me because of these changes in me. So the relationships had changed. His dependence, his attitude, the way he felt about me had changed. I experienced what it was like to overcome the dread of feeling unvalued, inexperienced, and incompetent. It gave me a deep and understanding compassion for those I lead. Man, I'll tell you what, I don't want to lead rough. I don't want to tell people you should, I don't want to treat people somebody like they should know more than they do. You know, it takes an avenue to learn, and it takes time to get there. And even with the grace of God, it still takes time, doesn't it? Even with God giving you wisdom from heaven, it still takes time to get there. So we realize that, and you know what, at your pace. I just, you learn at your pace. And if God gives you more grace, then I will, I'm not going to pick up the pace. You'll pick up the pace. You'll be the one to learn it faster. But it is tempered the kind of person that I am in trying to train others and teach them how to do something that I know. 
It's also given me compassion when they fail, when they falter, and how badly they feel, and to let them know, hey, you're off the hook. You know what? When you learn and you're experienced, <laughs> it would be a little different story, but you're still learning right now. It's had a, a huge and a deep impact in ways that I'm not going to share with you today, but I think it's huge. I want to read another scripture here in, let me look at it, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-7. through 7. This is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Go ahead and turn there. I'm going to make sure you turn there. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. I'll slow it down a little bit. We'll limit it. We'll limit it. We'll just, we'll just make it shorter or we'll make it longer. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. Did I share something with you that made it sound like I was going through some tribulation? I hope it did, because that was the point of it. I was wanting you to realize, not because I want you to see what you know how I felt in it, I just want you to see we go through these things, and this is where God's part is, that we may be able to comfort those in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the suffering of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope is for you is, is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will be partakers of the consolation. Isn't that amazing? I want a few things I want to step back and look at just real quick. How he says, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. God has set this limitation, as it were, upon us for us to recognize that even in the tribulations that cause stress, difficulty, anguish, and nights of difficult prayer, and things, Lord, that only you in your experience can describe. But those were designed to lead to something. Those were designed so not that you could be embittered and broken and angry and frustrated as a result of what has happened to you, but that you could have gotten something from this so that you can give and pour out to somebody else who needs it. This life is full of. It's much, even so much so that Jesus had made this statement, that in this world you shall have... I think No, it was an Acts, one of the disciples. In this world you shall have tribulation. No, Jesus said it. He did. Because He said, in me you will find peace. And we realize that this is a part of the whole thing. So the sufferings of the body of Christ and the children of God, you are going through what you are, or you will be at some point, so that you can empower somebody else along the road of their limitations. The, the struggle of not knowing how at times to get the grip of your mind when it's so filled with grief. And I don't know how to overpower these emotions. And the truth is, many of us have said, I know what it's like to be there. Such emotion that I know that God's Word says, why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. But I can't get over the emotional struggle in the moment. And somehow you can say, I'm with you in the midst of this. And you're not trying to calm the emotion you're trying to build the spirit of the person. Because you know what God did. 
He didn't change the emotional struggle altogether. He built me up in spirit. And the emotion began to walk in step with what had happened in me in spirit. People don't walk close to God. They don't let the Lord in in those difficult areas of their life. Now, you know what? I just said something that wasn't in these notes. There's something about that that I just feel like resonates with with exactly what God has done for me. So if you ask me to repeat it later, I won't be able to do it. I just so. As the sufferings, and lastly, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. I want you to look at Jesus is in it with you. Jesus is in it with you. Three Hebrew men walking in that fire. And it said there's a fourth in there that has the appearance of the Son of God. Jesus is in it with you. Now this is the, this is the thing that I, I have to say here at this point. Because it's so important. Even though Jesus is with you, you may not be seeing that. You may not see how much He's in this with you. Disciples called Jesus down in the bottom of the boat. They're going through a storm. And they're like, Lord, we're about ready to perish. This is severe enough. It's going to capsize us. Something bad's going to happen. And in that same thing, Jesus is down there at the bottom and he wakes up and he tells them, you're of little faith. And I think this is the thing is, is that you see the enormity of a, a, a storm, of clouds that brewing, waves that roar around you. You see something far bigger in the world than you are. But if you knew me, I'm the creator of all of that. Your fear should be suspended on the reality that you are with the creator in the moment. Man, that's good. You're in the moment. He's there with you. And they're blinded to this. And so listen to what they say after Jesus calms the storm. They, they make this statement about Jesus. Now they've been walking with him for some time. And they said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? God is having to open up in our finite, limited humanity the magnitude of who he is. And when he does, it just kind of changes the context. Man, God is so much greater. I even say, Lord, you're so much greater. God, you're amazing. We sing the songs. And then we have to have a demonstration. And in demonstration, our eyes are opened. I believe that a lot of our faith is suspended on a need of a new demonstration. God, you give me a new demonstration and it changes the whole context for me. And so I pray, Lord, help me. Give me a new something of yourself that demonstrates your great power so that I can put faith in something I've never seen before. And God does. And other times, He makes you step out in the water before it happens. But ultimately, that's what it is. I think uh, we all go through those. And so it's beautiful to think about how God has arranged the world and the events of it all to lead us to Himself. Limitation teaches us, i got six points here. I'm not going to get long into them. I'm just going to share them. To follow Jesus, to use our time well, to rely on God and on others. It humbles us and keeps us humble. It commands our focus. It teaches us to slow down or leaves us overwhelmed with what there is to do. Just slow down, 
or you're going to get overwhelmed. How many of you are overwhelmed? Come on. Go ahead and share. I, I'm all right with it. You see, we're, we're in the same circle. We're overwhelmed in those times. And we've got to realize what it seems so cross-grained to our nature. Uh, when I'm overwhelmed, I've got more to do. I mean, I've got to find faster ways and more technology to help me move this, this thing forward. And Jesus just says, slow down. Just slow down. Back off. Slow down. Let that old thing corrupt and die off. Forget about that. Let go of that. And Jesus is just like bringing us back into focus. Man, I love it when God does that. Because I get overwhelmed and God's like, okay, stop. Here's the real perspective. Now back into focus. And then the stress goes. When I started ministry here early on, one of the things I struggled with was sleeping. And I had shared that with a few other people. And what I didn't want them to pray was that I would get better sleep. As weird as that sounded, that's not what I really wanted. At heart, I knew that wasn't. Now, in some ways, I was like, just help him sleep. But I didn't want to sleep with stress. So God began to open up some truths, some things in life that I was missing. And when it did, then the stress left. Then I got to sleep. Some of you need to hear that right now. Some of you need some time alone with the Lord to help develop some truths in your heart to find out you're the center of your stress. The way you think, the way you, you organize things in your head, what you feel like you're responsible for, what you, the demands that you feel are on your life. And God's going to start to show you a new perspective. And I pray that He's going to use this, limb, this message to help you realize you need, to, you need to say, yes, I'm limited. I know it. And God doesn't want me to go in and move in life as if I were unlimited. And then when God shows you those truths, the stress leaves. See, God doesn't just snap it out of your being. He removes it from you by making you a party in the matter. Like, And some people continue to struggle with stress as a result of staying in that mindset. Man, it's, it's cleansing. It's, uh, it's raw. It's real. It gets difficult at times, but it's important. I think I'm going to come to a close here in a minute. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. You are epistle, you are our epistle written in our hearts known and read by all men, clearly as you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves or from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Okay, here's the heart of this message if you get it. Limitation. Why is it so great? Why is it such an important thing in our life? Because we stop being sufficient. You stop being the person who can command the events of life and make it happen. The world wants to tell you in every way, make your dreams happen. Make it happen. You're the king and you're the... You're the pinnacle of your life. It all sits and rides on you. And we're looking you, taking you back to look at God and find your sufficiency in Him. 
So much so that Jesus made this statement. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Well, Lord, I get up and I put my clothes on and I go about my day. I do a lot of things without you. I didn't even read my Bible this morning. I didn't even ask you to have a part in my life. I did all kinds of things without you. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You suppose you did a lot without him. But God sent some measures of grace to get you along the path. But even along that path, I bet there isn't anything that you can apply to and say, I did it in grace that day. I did it as the instrument of God's Spirit at work within me, enabling me to see Him through all there was in all that I was doing. It's beautiful when God can take something along the path of life, just something in the trees, something on the ground, something that happens with another individual, and speak a truth that you know out of the Bible and speak it into your heart and bring new illustrations alive to you in the events of the day. But that's a part of walking with Him. It's a part of finding the grace of God in those moments. One of the things I didn't tell you about, but I'll leave to this moment, and it's simply this. I remember when I was working, and the many difficult days that happened seemed to be, it seemed to be more stressful and more demanding on my spirit and mind than I had realized. But there was one day I remember I went to work, and there was a tra- <laughs> the old tractor had a flat tire. And if you know anything about this tractor, you'd know. Even Let me share this part with you just to get you an idea of the story. This old tractor that you couldn't just start it, even on a hot day. It had been worn out so badly that you had to find a way to start it ingenuitively. They parked it on top of a hill so that you could coast the thing down, run the starter, and pop the clutch at the same time so you could get the thing to fire. If you didn't get it to start by the time you got to the bottom of that hill, you were not getting it to start that day. <laughs> so I woke up, needing I mean, I, I was at work needing to fix a flat on that tractor, and uh, I won't tell you how we did that, but anyway. And, you know, I was like, this seems so ridiculous that a tractor you can hardly get to run is one that I have to fix before I even get start, started in the day. But I remember having the most beautiful, most wonderful experience in the presence of God. And it felt like all the, everything on earth had just come to a still for me. There was a peace, an inner peace in a song that I couldn't, was just developing in the moment. And there just seemed like there was nothing. There was nothing that I couldn't do with that harmony in my spirit. And I, I come to the realization of that God wants to be in the middle of this with me. He wants to be a part of it. And the only drag to this whole thing is that I don't find a way to invite Him in on days that He could have been here and I had hardened my heart. So with those, those limitations, remember that God has set those in motion to make you and give you a heart cry for Him. A heart cry for Him. The things you can't do and you have no control over. Sometimes we don't need to ask God, God, would you stop this or change the flow or the direction of this? Would you just bring a still where the storm really is? Would you just bring a still to the storm where it really is? Then I'll be at peace. Then anything else can go on around me and I'm ready to go. You know? It's like maybe this is my, my uh, one way flight to heaven and I want to go with joy. I want to be ready. Amen? So I want to share as we're closing here just the last few things. We, I, I want to do something a little different for communion today. And I'm going to serve communion, but I'm also going to give an altar call at the same time. So as you come to receive those elements, or if you feel that you have a desire to come to the altar first, you can. But I want to serve you today. 
I'm going to take the trays and I'm going to hold them and then you can come just like we have. But I want, I want you to look at me as a pastor who loves you. And as, as awkward as that's going to be for some of us, I want you to know that you're important to me. And I want you to feel that way about me. So I just I felt like that was something I wanted to do on my heart today. So that's how we're going to do community different. Otherwise, it's pretty much the same. Um, if there is somebody here that is a gluten-free person, that's totally fine. Um, I 